BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Today's episode is incredibly timely for me because if you follow on Instagram, you know that I have set out a new goal to cook at home more. I feel between the pandemic and being sick and traveling and having a really busy summer, we got caught up in not just like ordering in food, but just not preparing meals, sort of just digging through the cupboards, grabbing things and calling that a dinner. And I wanted to create some change this fall. And so I'm really excited to bring on John Cannell, who is from Preppy Kitchen who has over 10 million followers across platforms. Such an incredible story, has worked with so many celebrities, has been on, yes, Disney's Magic Bake Off, Ellen DeGeneres, The View, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Drew Barrymore, Kelly Clarkson, so many more, obviously is a very well-loved chef, recipe creator, and is also a family man. He's a dad of two. We're going to talk about it all. Please welcome John Cannell. All right, John, we are off to a great start. You're in this beautiful kitchen, and I'm in front of a pile of stuff that I shoved in this room during (laughs) Canadian Thanksgiving, which was two weeks ago, and I threw a blanket over it. So this is a great start to my Monday. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for having me, and I'm glad you had a nice celebration with no clutter. (laughs) You know what? We all, I love a tidy space. But I'm not like I can't tidy everything away all the time. And sometimes you need to shove it into your office because, of course, I'm the one who bears all the. I love a clean kitchen, but my office can be just completely chaos because I tuck myself away in here and it is what it is. But you on the show today is so timely because speaking of chaos and busy, I am somebody who I've got four kids and life is chaotic. I mean, it's always busy. It's always wild. And I found, and this seemed to be repeated by a lot of people over the last couple of years, sort of started relying upon like, let's support the local businesses and order in. And then it became like, (laughs) let's just whatever we have in the cupboard, minimizing how much we went out. And suddenly here I am years later and I am struggling to get back into a place of 
making and preparing home-cooked meals. Along with my husband, we split up the duties three and three, and then one night a week of enjoying food out. So talk to me about your journey into really helping people prepare meals, getting into making home-cooked meals, and also your dad. So I feel like I relate to the fact that you know what it's like to also have to serve meals to kids. So talk to me about that journey of why that became sort of like the core of what you're doing. Well, I'm going to take you way back because my mom came from Mexico and she came Mm. from a really small village where you really had to make everything from scratch out of necessity, but also out of love. And when she came to the US, she brought with her a love of making food from the heart. And also she's so inquisitive. She always wanted to learn. And I say that she explored the world through her kitchen. So she found all these new cultures where she lived. And she was like, oh my gosh, all these new flavors, these new techniques. And she wanted to try it all. And we got to be her guinea pigs, but I also got to help her out in the kitchen every night. And that was like one of my favorite things. Like if I was staying home from school because I was sick, I would get to do like a lot of fun projects. A lot of them were in the kitchen with my mom. And those were like the most special moments for me. So, you know, I became, I was a math and science teacher. I read that. I love that you had like a total career change, which is like you did that for quite a while too, right? I did. It was like 11 years and I was literally just texting with one of my old teacher friends oh, I love uh, that. right before we hopped onto this podcast. And like in Los Angeles of the book signing, I had so many parents and students come and I almost started crying just from seeing them because, you know, it's been a few years since I was their teacher, but we still have that connection. And that's what's so lovely about teaching. So I will forever be a middle school math and science teacher in my heart, but I pivoted careers and kind of combined my love of food, which I got from my mom and my grandparents and my love of teaching to create Preppy Kitchen, where I prepare you to make delicious meals without any stress and kind of like rediscover how to have fun in the kitchen. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I realized the one thing that when I was starting to get back into this goal of three home cooked meals a day that I would make from scratch, that I was feeling a lot of feelings around cooking. And I think a lot of women, especially who have been homemakers for periods of time, all of a sudden they they've lost the joy in it. It was something that they had to do. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, okay, how do I don't actually like cooking because it felt like such an obligation. I actually was a food editor for like a portion of my life. I was a stay at home mom. I went into like publishing and I was a food editor. And then I just like stopped. I almost like just stopped cooking. So rediscovering it is, is so fascinating because it's also having to face some of the distaste that cooking has left me as well, the stressful evenings, the times where it was like, it didn't work out and really coming back in with fresh eyes and a fresh heart. So when I say this is a timely conversation, like it couldn't be more timely. What would you say to somebody like me who is potentially has had really chaotic experiences with cooking home meals and now is just like really has a heart for getting back into it and not wanting to get overwhelmed and off track right out of the gates. Well, it's sounds funny, but like just prepare yourself. So like Mm. you're going to be so stressed out and unhappy if you're trying to do things on the fly under pressure, because Mm. that's where you're like, Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that chopping just took like 10 minutes of my time. This was like time down. It's a 30 minute meal, but like that's starting from the chopping. So like, yeah, "Ah, I don't have time. So understand what you need to do, plan your meals accordingly, and like do as much prep as you can. Like so many times when you're like with the kids during the day and like your day is full, 
you could take an extra like 10 minutes to do a little bit of prep time for tomorrow's dinner. So you could get that marinade together. Everything is just like in the fridge, kind of sopping up flavor. Or, you know, if I was making a roast chicken and I'm like, oh gosh, I know I'm going to be busy tomorrow. I could just melt my butter, chop some fresh herbs, add the salt and pepper and whatever herbs, like rub that under the skin, over the skin and have that bird like dry, ready to go and ready to bake tomorrow. So it's like all set up. I'm just going to pop it into the oven. And like, if you're thinking like, gosh, I want to try this air fryer recipe, like that looks really cool. But you have to like cut the meat. You have to like egg and bread the meat and then like tend to it. Even though air frying is like so easy, you're like, maybe we're just going to have like a nice filet of salmon, or maybe we're just going to have like some drumsticks that were in like an easy sauce. So just like know what your time is, get those moments out for the preparation and do what you can. A lot of the times you like bite off more than we can chew. And that takes away from the time that you would have with your family. It takes away from the time that you would be enjoying yourself in the kitchen. And it's like all around, just not as nice. (laughs) Yeah. And you bring up a very, very core point that I don't think has ever been explained to me before that a recipe time is not including the prep time. So that's often why we're like scrambling, like, sorry, everyone's hungry. Tensions are high, especially (laughs) when you start, like we're talking school nights and we, me and my husband both get off between like five, five 30. So everyone's surging into the kitchen hungry. They've come home from school. We're all or come home from the park, whatever that is, come off work and we're all surging hungry. And that's when things get chaotic. And that's where I'm starting. You just even explaining, like having a little bit of preparation and creating even steps towards these goals. I think actually, like, I'm going to say this cautiously, but it, it feels attainable. And that is something that I think is, is really exciting. Yeah. And like, for example, like, let's say that you wanted to like, have a little bit more of a special moment. So you have your, like, maybe I'm going to have an appetizer tonight, or maybe like the meal will have a couple different parts to it. Get some puff pastry out of the freezer. Anything with puff pastry is such a nice time. Oh, I know. Yeah. So like, you know, you can make your own rough puff and I love doing that. It's really like an enjoyable process for me. And of course, in my heart, I always think it's going to be like a little bit nicer to make things from scratch, but times a pinch, unroll it. And you can make all kinds of savory tarts. You can make sweet desserts. And like you mentioned, your family is like surging into the kitchen. And I know that feeling like everybody's hungry. And when you get hungry, you can be hangry. So oh yeah, think about like having like a little platter, like a little veggie platter, like a little crudite thing. You have some carrots, some radishes, some celery, maybe you have like peanut butter or like some ranch you made before hummus that you made or hummus that you bought. And everyone has like a little bit of a little bit of a bite, take some of the edge off. And That's then like so smart. It gives yourself some breathing room. I used to be a server at a restaurant that we actually used to do that, like the little crudités for the kids, because it was yeah. just like trying to mitigate the fact that like in order for us to give you a really good meal, it's gonna take 25 minutes to cook it. So we need to buy our time. So it was celery, carrots, orange slices, and some ranch dressing. And it always bought us that time. And I always thought that was so cool. I never thought about doing it at home though. I've never even you can make it. Can I tell you one of my favorite dishes that's actually like I train like kind of played with the idea and yeah. made it into something more substantial, like a dinner dish from the book? Yeah. But it's a Persian appetizer and it's called paneer sabzi. And all it is is like flatbread. So you get some lavash from your market. Yeah. And you tear that into pieces and use a big plate of herbs. So you have your tarragon, your mint, like your basil, like all your favorites, like a pile of fresh herbs there with 
cubes of feta and some nice like toasted walnuts. So you have this big platter out and like, I'm just thinking about a crudite platter, like something you could do, like the kids are hungry. You actually need 30 minutes, like have that out. They make little kind of like little veggie wraps with the herbs and the feta and the walnuts. I would have that for dinner myself with a glass of wine, but it's an amazing, super easy appetizer. You can just throw out as long as you had the ingredients. Oh, that is, that is honestly such, I I'm so excited for this book. I'm, you are obviously so well-loved your career. I love that you had this like teaching career. Talk to me about that, like pivot moment. Cause now you're like, I mean, I kind of fangirled a little when I saw that you were a judge on Disney's Bake Off. Um, I'm a bit of a Disney adult. I love that. I love that you have such a huge career. You've been all over. You've, you know, cooked for celebrities. People love you and what you're doing in your approach to the kitchen. And there's so many cookbooks out there. There's so many chefs. There's a lot of chefs in the kitchen when it comes to if I look on my countertop and how many cookbooks I have. What has, what did you realize was like the thing that sort of set you apart and really put you forward to the point that people were receiving what you were doing in a much different way and really like connecting with it? Because like, let's be real, celebrities get incredible meals every single meal of the day. And yet they're even drawn into the experiences that you're creating through your cooking. So talk to me a little bit about like that moment where you realized what I'm doing is actually important and it matters. It's making a difference and look how it's being received. Well, thank you so much. First of all, I really think that I will never not be a middle school math and science teacher in my heart. Like that's a very formative time. Like you spend all day with kids and, you know, you asked about the pivot and what happened was I married my husband and we were planning to have a family and our families take a lot of planning. <laughs> so we're thinking about like, well, what's this life that we're going to create for ourselves? Like we are going to have kids. He had a crazy career, so busy. And I was a teacher and I had lots of time off, but it was like very segmented time off. Like I couldn't just waltz into school late because I wanted yeah. to spend more time with them or if someone was having a bad day, I had to be there for them. So Brian really encouraged me to like take my two loves where I love education and I love food. And he's like, you know, you could probably teach people how to make food and like share these recipes that you make for us. And that could be a career. And he encouraged me to spread my wings and it kind of snowballed from there. So the impetus was really just kind of wanting to find a place for myself where I could work from home and be with my family. And that's also why we moved to Connecticut. You know, we wanted, we had our kids, they were two and we wanted them to have just like more connection with the land, more connection with their food. Like they have a huge vegetable garden. So they get to like grow their own veggies. They can see them like coming up out of the ground. They can do the harvesting and we have our beehives and animals and they have space to run around. in. so it really like came from a place of family. I mean, just to another point as well, as you were kind of talking about, you know, wanting to have this time at home, wanting to be with family, I was thinking about, that journey that we're also taking our kids on when they're witness to who we are. And it's so wild. I tell my kids all the time, like you're allowed to have a full career. You're allowed to be a partner to somebody who also, because we have these dual careers in our home, we're always encouraging them that like you can have two dreams living at once. And I have a dream of having a job. And I also have a dream of being a mother. And those things are sometimes hard to dance that line. And you know what dad also, and like stepdad, dad also has, you know, similar dreams. And it it does mean chaos sometimes. But when I was a single mom, I was working a couple jobs 
couldn't really afford to like on a busy day order food in. And I remember there was something, I'm just remembering the scene where everything was really, really busy. And I was trying to make dinner and I was sauteing some baby Brussels sprouts on the stove and whatever chaos was happening pulled me away from the stove. And when I turned around, my son was there who was like maybe five or six at the time. And he was shaking the pan, making sure they didn't burn. And that was the moment where he started being really inquisitive about, I want to learn to cook and I want to learn to do those things. And as a parent, oftentimes we sort of swoop in and we're like, we'll take care of it. It's easier if you're not in the kitchen Mm -hmm. while I do these things. But even within the chaos and and even sort of reflecting to what you're saying, like letting them be a part of it, letting them be instead of just witnessing chaos and believing that if you want to have a career and be a parent, that means that you're only ever going to have rushed family dinners and rushed evenings and never really getting the opportunity to have a prepared life or an organized life. I don't think I'll ever have an organized life. I should take that back. But a prepared life in some regards, or just even finding those semblances of moments where you really come together. I think in in a big part of me wanting to create this change in my life and to echo what you're saying, it's also to create witness for these kids to be able to pick up where you left off, to be a part of the big family dinners. So that not only so that they become a part of these meals, but that's so that later on they have these skill sets too. How has it been sort of involving your kids in, in like you've taught adults in cooking? Tell me about bringing kids into it. How old are they now? I have two five-year-old boys. They're twins, okay. and George. And just to piggyback on what you were saying, because it's so important, you know, our kids are members of our families. And sometimes in our attempt to shield them or to do things for them, we're actually excluding them. So mm-hmm. you know, like, my boys help set the table. They help clear the table. They can be in the kitchen, like chopping. Like my mom was here visiting. She saw the kitchen garden, went crazy. And it was like, picking vegetables left and right with the boys. And they have like the most amazing afternoon making vegetable soup together. Mm. We called it Nana's vegetable soup. And the boys loved eating it, loved sharing that they had helped made it. And they were so proud of it. And when you can bring kids into the fold and let them take ownership of the processes that make your family work, it could be really valuable. So it's so important to like try and make moments where they can be helpful. And being in the kitchen is one of those. Like so many times I wish I could go back in time, go to my math or science classes and have a kitchen where we were making food because there's so many lessons to be taught. Mm-hmm. And it's also in this distracted age we live in, we're like, you know, we're both playing on our phones, like checking this, checking that, doing work, answering emails. The kitchen is a time where your hands on, like if my hands are soaked with like butter and flour and we're mushing things together, everyone's going to be so in the moment. And it's really a point where you can connect and make something delicious. I I think that's so cool. And I think it's so important. I actually just did a podcast with somebody who was like a, an engineer at Dyson. And she was saying that the reason she got into engineering, she was like an intern at 19 at Dyson. And she was saying to me that she was that way because her, whenever there was something to fix or something to look at in the home, her grandparents and her parents made her involved in the process of Mm -hmm. let's take this apart. Let's look at it. And I think that to, to your point, like bringing kids in makes them involved. I 
literally my daughter wanted to have something. She's 14. She wanted something to do with our like harvest meal uh, over the Thanksgiving weekend. And so I, I said, well, why don't you mash the potatoes? And it was so funny. She was half joking, but you could tell she wasn't. She was like, look at the potatoes I made. These are my mashed potatoes. How does everybody like them? Like she just became so invested in the meal. And it's similar to my oldest is now working a job. And suddenly she's doing the math on the cost of everything and how many hours that takes. And I think when they see how much when you when you make a meal at home let's be real like there is a part of you in that and when kids get to be a part of that or mm-hmm. making something you see that come alive i co-parent my kids which means i have half the week without them which means that also creating those really intentional times i have a shortened availability with them i have such a shortened amount of time with them to do that and so as we're sort of like talking and i'm thinking out loud i'm realizing that these three meals a week that i have a goal to do even if I can have one of them is like a collective one. Like it's a meal that we all make together. Do you think that there's recipes in your book and ways on like, let's say now we're like, okay, let's get us into the preppy kitchen mode. Are we getting the cookbook? Are we watching videos? What would you say for our family, me and the kids, how are we going to plug ourselves into starting setting ourselves up and preparing for the school? Okay. So one of the things I love most in the kitchen is making pizza with the kids. So Mm. I've been scaling it up over the years. Like at first they're like two year olds, just like kind of trying yeah. to put things on, trying to sprinkle. And then it got Eating to the, the point cheese. where they were rolling it out. And the, you know, like the last time we made it, they made the dough from scratch. They saw the yeast rise, everything else. They rolled it out themselves. And it's like so special and delicious. Them. And yes, there is a pizza, there's a pizza recipe in the book, of course. There's also a lot of recipes that even if you were not going to do all of it with the kids, you can always do some of it with the kids. Like if you're mixing a spice rub together, have the kids add the spices and measure it out, stir it in, smell things. They're going to be so much more likely to try all the different flavors in the book. And you're like some of the things that have fun processes, like there's a cinnamon roll recipe that is really good in the fall chapter. You can like make the dough yourself if you want, like if your kids are little, and then the kids can help spread that like brown sugar spice mixture over, sprinkle the pecans in, they can help you roll it up. I always use unflavored dental floss to cut the rolls so they cut nice and easy. You just kind of so like smart. wrap it around and constrict it. And like that is the most fun thing for a kid to do. So all these things, even if you think, oh my gosh, that's too complicated for a kid to do, you can bring them into the kitchen and do that. And like yeah. one of the fun things about the book is it's arranged by the season because mm. we moved from Los Angeles to Connecticut and really understood that the seasons not only control like what I can get from the market or what I can grow in my garden, but definitely what I want to eat. You know, yeah, I'm sure you're affected by the seasons. Yeah, as well. I'm in Canada. I freaking yeah. four seasons are like the hard, you like know. they're hard four seasons. Like summer checks yeah. out the second it's done, and you're like, sorry, no more corn. Like we're done. Right. Like it's over. My dad was from Montreal, and like they seriously have like an underground city. <laughs> it's like it's like winter city. It's all two. Yeah. So you know, like in the winter, you're not going out if you don't have to. You want to have like that warm cozy, Lots of spicy, bubbly things yeah. happening. There are yeah. roasts, the soups, the baked goods. But in the summer, oh my gosh, it's such an amazing punctuation to the year. So I'm out and about. We're at the park. We're having picnics. We're doing grilling, like doing all this fun stuff outdoors. And I want to enjoy the bounty from the gardens. Like if you can get stone fruit, oh my gosh, load up on peaches, load up on the fresh herbs. And by arranging the book by the seasons, it does a couple things. 
yes, you can grab those fresh ingredients when they're in season and you can have recipes that you want to eat. But this goes back to your original point. It also helps to get you out of that rut because you're making these meals on your own and you have your go-to comforts. You're like, I know the exact time it needs to make this. I'm going to do this. And like, kind of like it falls into like this circuit of like maybe five or 10 or 20 recipes that are repeated quite often. Right. So by having it by the season, like you have like a seasonal refresh, like, okay, we're going to restart with some new recipes and like, you can always go back and have your favorites, but there's something new to try. And it's really going to celebrate how you feel at that time of year. I, you make such a good point yet again, because every fall, I swear, like I do a like dust off my crock yes. pot, the soup pots, like all of that, like they sit dormant. And yet I always am so drawn to like comfort food cookbooks and stuff like that. And then I wonder why I'm not using them. And that's because I'm using them out of context. I need to use them in the time of seasonality. And we love like one of the things I found the kids really will tune into eating more fresh foods is when we go to the farmer's market, when they actually are a part of like meeting the farmers and like talking about the fruits, suddenly everything tastes better. Suddenly they like need all the apples in the world. Like it is such an experience when they get so much more connected with the food as opposed to, and there's nothing wrong with this, but if I just go to the grocery store and grab a bunch of fruit and have it on the counter, they're less likely to grab it as opposed to if they feel a part of the experience of going and buying it and selecting it. And like, even at the grocery store, when I do bring them, they, they seem more connected to the food. And my oldest struggles with like, she has sensory disorders. So it's really hard for her to uh, stray away from the foods she knows in her head are like safe foods. They're, you know, we could, people will label her, label her a picky eater, but the reality is she just has I'm, I've heard it once from somebody on Instagram that if you gave a kid a bowl of blueberries or gave them a plate of chicken nuggets, the chicken nuggets all taste the same. And the blueberries, sometimes one is smushy and gushy That's, and weird. I've heard that too. It's so true. Yeah, I it's so like, true. You know, I just bought a batch of blueberries and I like, I was eyeing them and like, yeah. I was like, I don't want any mushy ones. Yeah. And it's like, even as adults, you'll go to the safe fruit. Like maybe yes. like, a, like a banana. It's always going to be. always going to be. Yes. Like, yes. you know. A berry in the winter. Oh, where did it come from? What's this? Yes. What's going on here? So yeah, yeah the chicken nuggets always gonna be a chicken nugget. So yeah, I but I I love that we can. The second you bring kids a little bit more involved in the process, suddenly they start trying foods. My son came home from school one day and he was like, I smelled somebody having this dish and we sort of got it all the way down to, it was incredible curry dish. So we're like, okay, you want to have some curries in your meals. And we started, you know, trying those things out and watched him sort of create this new palette. And I mean, these are, these are life things, right? They're lifelong things. And they're things that I've gotten right a bunch of times. And they're things that I, you know, have gone the quote unquote, like really easy path, which in the long road is sometimes more difficult because when you start just sort of scrapping meals together, everyone sort of feels that you don't get that moment of reset. And like your, like you said, your hands are dirty. You're disconnected from your phone and the television, and you're a part of this nourishment of not only your body, but your soul. Like, I think I'm starting as I'm, as I've been sort of unfolding my feelings around cooking and why they have sometimes triggered sadness or stress. And now I'm starting to really come into, but what could else could it be? If it's not chaos and stress, what is the alternatives and how can we get there? And so I'm really, I'm, I really thank you for your work because I think that it's, it's so important to bring people into a place of learning, even when you're 37 years old, 
formerly stay-at-home mom who made every single meal, who used to be in food publishing and still is like struggling to find their place in the kitchen and at home and cooking meals again. I think it's really cool what you're doing and the approach that you take. And I'm really, really excited about the new book. Where can everyone find you and grab the book and just give us a little final plug on everything? Okay. Well, you can go to like basically any bookstore will carry the book. So we have them at Amazon. I don't know all the Canadian retailers, but like we're in Costco. Indigo. Oh, we're on Indigo for sure. And if you're at all curious, you can go to preppykitchen.com and just click cookbook and find a retailer near you. But um, I'm so happy that we've actually had a good audience in Canada because I use metric as well. So it's not going to be all measuring cup nonsense. Oh my gosh. Thank goodness. Something accurate and amazing too. (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. John, thank you so much for your time. This has been, I'm honestly feeling so hopeful. And while I'm doing this, so everyone's listening, I feel like a lot of people are in the same place. Uh, We're echoing a lot of experiences over the last few years or the lifetime or just the experience of being a parent or trying to have a career and also have home cooked meals. It feels impossible. And I really feel like what you're doing is preparing us for uh, life, real life, and really getting connected back to the kitchen and, and letting our kids be a part of that too. So thank you so much for everything you do. Thank you for coming on the show and to everyone listening, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.